0: Hey, last looks crew, Anne Morgan, the exceptionally talented hairstylist and wig wrangler extraordinaire joins us on the show today. With a diverse background in salon work, stage productions and film, Morgan brings a wealth of experience to the table. She honed her skills in Texas, where she worked with renowned hairdressers and immersed herself in the punk rock and new wave scene. Eventually Morgan made her way to Los Angeles where she pursued her passion for fashion and styling. I met Anne Morgan back in 2018 when I interviewed with her for the assistant department head position for the film Bombshell. I took away so much from my experience on that project and will forever be grateful. The makeup and hair designers for the film cleaned up awards season with Bombshell, adding an Oscar and BAFTA awards to their career highlights. In this rerun episode, we dive deep into the art of hair and wig styling, discussing techniques, challenges, and everything in between. We chat about the importance of setting professional boundaries for self-care and work-life balance, ensuring you don't burn out in this fast-paced industry. Now, I hope you have been enjoying our rerun episodes. This is our last one for now, as we will be kicking into Season 8 on December 4th. If I may say so myself, as per usual, I have some fan-fucking-tastic guests lined up for you, plus some informational and fun bonus episodes and some mini as well. Plenty of content to keep you guys entertained. And a reminder on all the ways you can help support the podcast and keep this little guy chugging along. So number one, rate and write a review. And if you do that, Take a screenshot of your review, send it to me with your postal address, and I will get a sticker bundle out to you ASAP. Number two, if you love it, share it. Share on social media and tell people why you love it. Number three, buy the podcast a coffee. Link is in the show notes. Number four, check out our merch store on the website last-looks.com. And represent Last Looks on set with some swagglicious gear. <laughs> Number five, purchase your ticket to our top ten talkback live Q and A events. We have the first weekend of every month. Jump to it, soldier! Buy your ticket, get your questions in. And lucky for you, we have a promo code for a healthy discount. Last Pod, all one word. Last Looks Pod, all one word. Link is in the show notes in our bio on Instagram or on the website. And just by doing one of those five things, it helps the podcast greatly. So cheers to you, my Last Looks crew. Listen, if you did all five, I wouldn't be angry. (laughs) Now, if you or someone you know has a product or tool that they would like to share with all our Last Looks listeners around the globe, get in touch about advertising on the show. With the new season around the corner and the Oscars special early next year, it is the perfect time. Okay, let's kick in to this last rerun episode. My name is Jamie Lee, a hairstylist based in LA, and this is The Last Looks Podcast, a show where I catch up with makeup artists and hairstylists working in the film and television industries around the world. And on this rerun episode, we catch up with Anne Morgan. On with the show.
1: And now, our feature presentation. Pitch up. Last looks.
0: Rolling. And action. Welcome back, Morgan. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, Let's start at the very beginning. Did you always want to be a hairstylist? (laughs) Uh, Did I always want to
1: be a hairstylist? (laughs) No, but I will say that when I was in fourth grade, I went Mm -hmm. to Universal Studios and I got lost from my parents for a little bit. And I ended up like watching somebody do uh, a a guy up like Abe Lincoln. I, I mean, they were shooting something somewhere off stage somewhere. And I waited there until they found me. And it really like really made a heavy mark in my, in my mind. And my babysitter, Debbie Schumann, (laughs) <laughs> hmm. She was like, you know, she was going to cosmetology school and I just thought that was the coolest, you know, she she had cool makeup and all this stuff and I thought that was all really cool. And, and then I really thought I was uh going to be a veterinarian truthfully. Okay. But I had a lot of traveling as a teenager and I I will say like I was doing my mom's hair when I was like 13 years old when we were living in the Middle East because my mom was trying to get her hair color. It was, so I don't know. There's a lot of little different elements and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I I thought I was going to do makeup actually. And then (laughs) this is how stupid it is. I I was at, (laughs) I got to cosmetology school and my parents were like, well, if you're going to go to cosmetology school, which trust me, they were not, my dad was really not keen. Not at all. Yeah, And he's like, you know, if you're going to go, then you have to get a job. And it has to be in a junior college because, you know, really, they thought I was going to bail on that and then go to college for real. Yeah. I went to San Jacinto Junior College, which is outside of Houston. My parents were living in, uh, in Clear Lake by NASA in Texas. And I got there and they're like, yeah, you don't need a license to um, do makeup. <laughs> I <was> like what? <laughs> what you could just do it, and then I was like, well, you know, my parents thought I needed to do that, so I did, and okay, and I liked it. Thank goodness. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have always had a thing about make a hair being cohesive. Remember, I went there because I thought I needed to go to school to to do makeup and i had Mm -hmm. been doing some hair like i enjoyed it and i remember that my project at the end was a makeover and it was this girl that worked in like at a restaurant that my brother worked at and Mm -hmm. i remember i did this full makeover and i gave her a perm and we cut it and i did her makeup and like the whole thing so when i finished school in Texas um Mm -hmm. I was you know still living with my parents I'm like 19 years old and I get a job at a salon that has a New York hairdresser Eddie I can't remember Eddie's last name he would come in from New York every other weekend to do all the Mm. socialites the Houston socialites all these blondes and then the the guy who owned the salon, his name is Jorge Enrique Ortega. Jorge was um, Cuban via Spain, via New York. Super, super talented, had major, major hair cutter, probably one of the best hair cutters I-, I could ever think of, like an incredible hairdresser. I went to work for them in and, and like an apprentice program for a year, working under them, washing hair, you know, learning to blow dry, helping set hair, handing eddy foils, Just, like this kind of yeah, thing. Learning, learning, learning. Learning every day. <laughs> it was a little itty bitty salon and I started to be able to take clients, you know, and that kind of thing. And then we got this other salon and Jorge wanted to open a salon that was bigger and purely like new wave punk rock hair. No, no hot rollers, no... Brushes, you had to learn to blow dry hair with your hands. And we did clipper cuts and we did extensions. And Tana from London came over, showed us what they were doing. Then we did clipper cut classes for the African American salons in Houston that wanted to learn how to do, you know, the new wave kind of haircuts. And We were, uh, we had a, an amazing space. It was like 5,000 square feet. We would go to New York for sure three or four times a year to buy clothes for the punk rock new wave kind of clothing store that we started downstairs which was me getting to <laughs> like so cool. you know be like George we, uh, we gotta buy this we gotta buy that it was amazing so we'd spend you know <laughs> debaucherous times in New York in the 80s yeah. so hardcore so partying and then uh-uh. coming back to Houston and you know having the clothing store downstairs and we ended up with I think 12 or 15 hairdressers upstairs all really cutting edge and it was the salon we gave fashion shows at the nightclubs with our clothes and the hair and we did photo shoots see look at that see you were doing all three things I, that's exactly what happened. And so then I came to LA and wanted to do that. I was doing photo shoots, you know, that would come into town. Also, all the bands that would come to town. Like I remember Depeche Mode coming to town, David Byrne, like all these guys, X, we did their hair. They would come into town oh, cool. and they knew that yeah. we were the salon to go to. So if somebody needed their hair done, we would do the hair. So it was great. It was the 80s. That
0: is it was pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's me working in a salon for five years. And then, um, and then I just really wanted to do fashion. I just really needed to leave Texas. I wanted to go to Los Angeles because I knew about Cloutier. So it was called Celestine mm-hmm. Cloutier. I knew about them and I wanted to go and be represented by them. Actually, it was Cloutier and they started the baby agency Celestine Cloutier for new artists. And that's Mm -hmm. where I got representation. And,
0: um, you
1: know, they were amazing. Um, Angelica Schubert and Anita Castillo. I remember their names well. And I was like, I want to do styling. I want to do makeup and I want to do hair, all three. And they were like, well, we think you should just do makeup and hair. Yeah, not do styling it's too many things which you know with benefit of hindsight when people tell you you can't do makeup and hair or they say to you you can't do makeup and hair and styling well that's just not true it's just not true you know yeah. it's um, it's great that now there's a, a bigger awareness of like not letting people do that you know to, to doing what you feel comes natural to you you know Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, it's more accepted now to be able to just, if you want to do this, so you want to do that? Like, it's all okay. Yeah. And so that's how that started. And when I ultimately left Texas and I moved back to California, Mm -hmm. my best friend was a model. All I wanted to do was work in fashion at that point. I wasn't even thinking about film. I was just like, the film idea had been, again, I thought I was going to do makeup. I wanted to do fashion. Um, yeah. And I had been at school in Switzerland and that's when I changed my mind. My two best girlfriends were six foot tall Italian twins and they, they were from Milan and they used to take yeah. me to Como and to Milan on the weekends. And I mean, my exposure to fashion at that time was pretty, pretty amazing. You know, it was Fiorucci and it's big heyday. And it was like, I mean, my Those two best girlfriends of mine, they wore fur coats and
0: hot pink pumps and like, I mean, they were amazing. So it's exciting. Like you want to be a part of all that. (laughs) So I wanted to do fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happens after that?
1: Uh, Working in in Los Angeles. So my best girlfriend, the same one who uh, was a model, Mm -hmm. um, her boyfriend was a sound mixer on the Michael Jackson tour. Oh, wow. So... He said, hey, the person that is doing the tour, the makeup and hair for the tour, is looking for someone to go on tour with them that will also do makeup and hair because they have dancers and singers and, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: besides Michael, which is, of course, uh, you know, so there's like a it's a it's a huge job and it's on the road for a year and a half um, on the bad tour, Michael Jackson's bad tour. So that's cool. I, yeah, I like met and I got the job and I went on tour with Michael Jackson.
0: <laughs> That's so cool. You're like, I'm going to do fashion. No, I'm over here now. I'm I'm hanging yeah. out with Michael and touring the world. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. And it was probably, you know, the best exposure to any kind
1: of tour life, if you will, because he would do I think Mm -hmm. the most shows he would do in a week is three. And so we would have a lot of days off. And we, you know, we traveled in business or in first class, you know, either Mm -hmm. way, we stayed in, we stayed with where the dancers and the singers stayed the band. Okay. So because we would have a suite, Karen Faye was Michael Jackson's makeup artist for a very, very long time. And in fact, she did Michael's um, makeup when he passed. And um, so she had a very long standing, deep relationship with Michael. But, you know, Carol Crow was a backup singer and we were on tour at the same time. Prince was on tour and we were all in Europe together at the same time and they would come into one city and we would be leaving or we'd be in a close by city. And so we would go see them at a club after their show or like, oh, it was my goodness. There was so <laughs> many amazing amazing things you know i mean liz taylor sophia loren backstage every night when we were in europe oh my god standing to the side on the wings while we're standing there touching the dancers mostly the dancers would come off and on uh stage and um so we would be standing there it's sophia and uh, loren and elizabeth taylor there i mean it was amazing you know We went to the palace because Charles and Diana, Diana loved Michael Jackson. And so, you know... And we, yes they threw us a
0: dinner party us as if i was really like who they threw it for but
1: <laughs> we were invited yeah
0: but yes <laughs> that's yeah. so cool that that invitation reached out to everybody yeah that's awesome it was great wow what an experience it was and it was cheryl when she was a
1: backup singer before she you know had done the tuesday night music club was that that was her first mm-hmm. album. It's called, I forget. But yeah. So anyway, so then I go on tour with Michael Jackson, come back and continue on this like journey of trying to do fashion and, you know, mm-hmm. Los Angeles is not considered a fashion capital. Certainly it was all about New York, Paris, Milan, London yeah. in, in, in some ways, but really it was about Paris, Milan, New York. And so, you know, I went to Japan for a little while for for a few months and then Mm -hmm. that was when i came back you know lots of music videos i'd been on tour with michael so there were all these like cool um black performers i remember doing one of i don't even know what album was for nwa and george clinton and like i don't know i just got all, all these calls and it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was a great, great time.
0: Yeah. And just from that one job, then you come back from that tour and it just branches out to all these other people. Cause it's yeah. just like, Oh yeah, she was on the Michael Jackson tour. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. All right. Let's yeah. get her to right. help us out on this. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And I remember getting asked to do the truth or dare tour with Madonna and, um, and they wanted you to sign the waiver that said that you know you would let them film you and it was like you know a reality show the tour was basically yeah film and uh I didn't want to sign that I didn't want to do that so I never went back out on tour again which is cool I had the best experience it could ever it could ever be
0: oh you know lady I think just that one tour situation is enough for a lifetime yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's <laughs> good It's, bad. it's good.
1: That's amazing yeah and so that's how that started and then like i said the tour music mm-hmm. videos you know commercials blah 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 and then just being in la you know you just get asked to work on a movie set <laughs> yeah yeah
0: i was gonna say so it starts with music videos and then commercials and then did you do f- a film first or a television show?
1: No, I did not do a television show for a really long time. My first foray into film, mm-hmm. and I crossed a picket line. No idea what that was. No no idea. <laughs> I just, not a clue. I got called I, I one night to go the next morning. I did. I showed up and it was a film called Less Than Zero. And um, that's, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. And, oh God, it's just... Um, Oh God, all the, you know, Brat Packers Like, oh, it's, it's an amazing film Brad Easton Ellis wrote it It's classic representation of Los Angeles The underworld of Los Angeles In the 80s And the entitlement of, you know The upper echelon kids And, um, yeah. of, of the you know, money, drugs
0: And so did you step into that At the very beginning of shooting Or is it because they were needing No, because
1: the, the union had wanted to step in And they wouldn't turn the film union. And so the union was mm. picketing. I wasn't right. stepping in as a department head. I did not step in in a key position. I was just coming in to like do hair. You know, I don't even remember about, yeah. what
0: hair I did. I don't. But, <laughs> it's not too exciting.
1: and <laughs> No, no, not because it wasn't exciting. It's just, it's so long ago. And, and really the first real film that I went to work on was a film in Texas uh, mm-hmm. that The sequel to the Last Picture show, and it was called Texasville. Okay. And that was with Jeff Bridges and Annie Potts and, um, oh God, Timothy Bottoms and Peter Bogdanovich directing. And it was, you know, I want to say it was like five or six months in Wichita Falls, outside of Wichita Falls, we stayed, I think. And we shot in Anne And it was like the real proper movie experience. And it turned union. Now, I actually, uh, my story of getting into the union took me almost five years skin in the union. They did not want to let me in. It was yeah. a very closed door at the time. It was not a good experience for me. And um, it was very like, they just didn't want to share information. They didn't want to have people in. They weren't interested in what anyone would bring to the table that was not already like connected somehow.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it's that much easier now. <laughs> I mean, it's still difficult. It's still hard. I still talk to people who it's, you know, it's taken them um, three to 10 years to kind of yeah. get into. So I think a bit of it has to do with, well, it's definitely hard work, but also a bit of luck. You just need to get on the right thing at the right time. And yeah, it's tricky. It's really tricky. I, I, I think
1: that I don't know now if it's like who you know, per se, but certainly who you know can help get you onto a job, say before the union has before they've made a deal with the unions, you know. Yeah. I, I certainly get hired on jobs before the union deals are set and made, you know, and you can say, I want to bring this person on that person. But you know, sadly what we did is we got rid of they got rid of, you know, an apprentice program that exists and we don't offer that up. And that would not only give us better hairdressers, um, mm. but it would give a system that not dissimilar to what happens, you know, in England with this incredible training program and craft of craftsmanship and reverie for craftsmanship, you know?
0: Yeah. Just being able to work your way up instead of, yeah. and learn. I mean, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to kind of come up through this industry <laughs> We didn't have unions in New Zealand. So my first film job, I was working under Peter Swords King mm-hmm. and working with Peter Owen Wiggs mm-hmm. and training like that. Now, that is something that couldn't happen. <laughs> but it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, not as such No, like- it, couldn't, it couldn't happen in Los Angeles because there's no way I would be able to get anywhere near a job that... That someone of his caliber is on because of that union wall that is yeah, there. Yeah, right. So, but where where did that take place? New Zealand. Yeah, outside of right.
1: So yeah. you were a hire in a place that didn't have enough hairdressers, just that would be that they would have known, right? So you know that 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 then then we go okay. So we go to Georgia all the time, or we go to Louisiana, mm-hmm. North Carolina, or all of these right to work yeah. states. The difference is, you know, person to person, there's a difference in a work ethic, you know, and, and location to location, like in New Zealand, I would venture to guess, there weren't a lot of competitive films that were like, vying for your, for you to be on, you know, like he was (laughs) there, so. He was the game, right? So that was and a total luck of the draw. You have the best training possible, like under the most yeah. incredible, you know, hairdresser, wig maker uh, possible. Um, mm-hmm. and but the the I don't know. I don't know why when we go to different states or cities, you know, it, it's hard to find hairdressers that want to stick with the task or have enough interest in what you're doing. I'm not saying they don't, but people will jump ship all the time. Like, Oh, I got another offer to go over on this movie or whatever. And so their resume builds up, but you know, They haven't finished anything. (laughs) And that's not to say that goes for everybody because there are great hairdressers and all on all of these places as well. I'm just talking about in big general swaths. So your circumstances Mm -hmm. were a very isolated circumstance. So, you were lucky, so lucky. We don't, and we don't offer that program here, like you said in Los uh, Angeles. Yeah,
0: I mean, I feel like that must there must be just a lot of a lot of people who working on non union jobs, and a lot of those non union jobs, they may be the only hairstylist on that job, and they don't have anybody to kind of work with or work off or learn from, and they're just kind of working it out themselves as they stumble along to figure it out then by the time they're in the union some people think they've got it worked out and know what they're doing because they think they've worked it out <laughs> so they're like mm, I don't want to learn anymore but then there's a whole bunch of people who are like yes now I'm in here I can get to work with all of these other hairstylists and I can learn 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 but it's just such a shame that there's that that wall that they have to kind of climb to get over to get to all of the those people who can teach them
1: yeah i know well that's that's the thing when we in in 706 you know we got rid of that training program of where you are designated a journeyman or a trainee and in order to be a journeyman you would have to take the test which was a very baseline of what was expected i think it was was very dated even when i took it i would say that we do offer classes you know I say we, yeah, the union 706 Mm -hmm. does offer classes. I don't know how accessible they are to non-union hairstylists. I don't know if they are, which is a shame. You know, it's a shame because, you know, there should be some classes that are offered or, Mm -hmm. you know, a package or they pay a certain amount or something to be able to be participatory. I think we should have some type of apprentice program on a set. You know, yeah. a lot of, there are a lot of, um, makeup artists that are able to bring on makeup PAs that come out of some of the makeup schools. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think that would be a great thing to explore for, um, hairdressers, you know, but I didn't have training that was formal, you
0: know, I did on a salon, but I learned by mm-hmm. the seat of my pants, you know, yeah. I think there's an, um, you know, of course, there's a a certain amount of that that is going to happen for everybody. For sure. For sure.
1: But you do need that moment where somebody then does show you something. Noriko Watanabe um, actually showed me with Peter Owen, you know, how to work with his wigs. And without the expertise that Noriko showed me, and that shared yeah. with me, rather. And mm-hmm. what Peter shared with me, not knowing me, but through the introduction of Noriko, you know, yeah. I, I, I mean, that that totally changed my game. That was um, Gangs of New York. So yeah. that changed my game for sure. Yeah, it's priceless. I mean, yeah, I'm always under the, the thing of like, whether it's a wig out of a box whether mm-hmm. that's you know from Wilshire wigs or if you get a John Blake wig, you know, which saves our asses like a gazillion times over on any given production, you know, the ability yeah. to have John Blake wigs on hand or wigs that friends makes or something, you know, like the ability to have these these wigs um, that we can either have a new front line made, you know, a hairline made for, or we don't have time for, so you have to make it work, mm. like. But I am under the belief th- and the analogy of working with those is the same as when I'm working with a Peter Owen wig or a wig maker associates or Marcel Corneval's wigs. You know, I mean, I just, you have to treat them. If you treat a, 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 a great wig can look not good and mm-hmm. a bad wig can look pretty good. You know, yeah. like this it depends on who's putting the wig on you know like yeah. how you're doing it I don't mean like when you know by name I just mean by no. like how you are approaching it and and um you know
0: i think there's definitely a a hole in the system for some really decent wig training i mean if you speak to hairstylists especially in los angeles it's just like what do you want to learn it's probably african-american hair barbering skills and wig training i would say are the three kind of top things of like i'm not getting enough of knowing how to do these things right. and it might be because maybe they didn't work in a salon that had a lot of male clientele so they didn't do a lot of men's grooming and you know Barbarine. barber style haircutting. cutting mm-hmm. um, or they just have never touched a wig before yeah. so they're like how where do I start with this yeah. situation and it's not something you learn at cosmetology school all those bits of information right you just and you know
1: these are all the things that are training things right what about like to me it's not just about like being able to do those things right i what i have a huge thing about like why isn't a Vogue magazine cracked open on set? Why does someone not know who, you know, Margiela is versus who, you know, Dior is? Like, what's the difference? And who was Halston? And who was, you know, uh, Piero Tassi? I mean, you just kind of want to educate yourself along the way as much as you can with a voracious appetite for whether it's an, an eye for the design or the color or the cuts or whatever take a subject matter that you like and expound on it over and above what you're doing with hair because it informs yeah. it and it influences it and it inspires it, whether it's art or, yeah. you know, fashion, but fashion and film, you know, they're interlaced. And so for us to ignore that in film is to our detriment,
0: you know, I know I'm guilty of it. I, I put my hand up. I'm, I'm terrible at that. And I just spoke to Kerry Warren. The other day, hair stylist and he, his advice for anyone getting into the industry was just research, research, research. And I was just like, yeah, it's true. And that made me think, yeah. And he's like, just, you know, not even, don't just look in the magazines, but get the fashion books and the, you know, gotcha. like really, and look at the history and look at the, you know, and it's just like, ah, oh, yes, I'm guilty yeah. of not putting aside the time to really, Dive into that stuff.
1: Well, and you know what? It's it's super important. You know what's really, you know, he's what Carrie. First of all, icon, right? I mean, just (laughs) bow down, Um, Carrie. You know, like you just said, um, he said fashion books, and you know Mm -hmm. what's most poignant about that is that when a designer designs a silhouette of the clothing the reason they are designing a hairstyle onto that drawing or have a say mm-hmm. onto it or whatever is because that is part of the balance of the silhouette so when we do a period film and you're dealing with like an 1880s you know hairstyle versus an 1860s yeah. hairstyle and you see like in mm-hmm. 1860s you see that low silhouette at the nape, you see that flat bosom, you see the really wide skirt you know, big. And, mm-hmm. and then you go later and you see the silhouette becomes taller. The bustle comes around the back. Everything's built really high, pile, 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 pile. It all goes with that silhouette. you know, in the twenties, you know, you get the little bob and the swinging and the flappers and the fringe of the dresses and everything in movement. They want the hair in movement, not frozen, just like the clothing. Yeah. And then, you know, you go into the fifties and the tighter silhouette and the, and the wiggle skirt. You know, the butt is just like the head, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. this curvy little silhouette and the butt is the same. And like this is like, you know, so in studying a fashion book, the relativity of the silhouette that the costume designer is doing, just like a designer in fashion, is it's relative to you know, the silhouette on the head and the, and whether or not you're trying to throw the silhouette off that particular character, because there's something Mm -hmm. off about them or whether you're trying to balance it or you're trying to like marry it or not like whatever it is. If you're not informed, you're not going to understand the silhouette that the costume designer has just brought to you because You have to work with the costume
0: designer. You know, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So if we go back to getting into that first full-time film that you did, how long after that was it until I think because it looks like you were doing some personal work and then you got into some head of department work right how did that journey all go for you
1: well basically you know I did that film didn't get into the union and I want to say it's about five years till I get in the union from Mm -hmm. from that point and not for lack of trying but basically every time I was on a film uh, you know I was a star request star request again and again and again. And then ultimately what happens is I'm on Truman show with Jim Carrey and we're shooting in Florida and the union knows that I haven't joined and Paramount steps in and says, they're going to shut it down unless you join the union. I'm like, I am happy to join the union and they're ready to let me in. <laughs> oh, and, um, wow. <laughs> and um, it's a, it's a much more longer story that I won't, um, it always says that it (laughs) always. In one weekend, it went from Friday, do I, uh, will I join to, you know, me flying out of town and flying back in and on Monday morning, we were shooting and it was because I was now, you know, uh, properly in the union. Thank you, Paramount. And so, yeah. you know, um, so from then on, I still continued. My work was um, as a personal star request. And often they would say, will you department head? And sometimes I said yes. And sometimes I said no, depending on many different things about it. So um, there's no blanket statement for that. But, you know, it wasn't until later I hadn't. an. Now remembering all this time, I don't have an agent. Okay. And uh, then I ultimately get an agent. I'm like one of the first people in the business with an agent. And it's just a whole, that's another whole journey. Agent in film is what I want to say, not an agent because lots of people in fashion, including myself, Mm -hmm. have an agent, you know. But yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, so mostly it was like that. But then I had an agent who said to me, no one's going to take you serious unless you're a department head. And I was like, what? What are you talking about?
0: And somehow I fell for that. And, um, which is stupid because it's so not true. Well, um, I mean, looking at your resume, it looked like you were being taken seriously. I don't, yeah. <laughs> you're working on great stuff with fantastic talent. I don't, yeah. Anyway, yeah. carry on. Uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I think everything teaches you something, each
0: project. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the beauty of um, what we do is that each job has a different crew and you get to meet so many new people and learn and have different experiences it's awesome um out of all these amazing things that you have worked on mm-hmm. um do you have a career highlight thus far as far as the experience of shooting goes and like the creative side of things with characters and things like that what what stands out for you well so first of all so many great experiences
1: and yeah <laughs> Really uh, so, so lucky and um I don't know, somehow it just sneaks right up on you that all of a sudden, you know, it's been so many years or so many films or whatever. And I don't know how it rolled
0: into doing so many wigs, but did. It's because you're amazing at what you do, Morgan. Your wig work is phenomenal. (laughs) So you know, word gets around. I guess soon, you know, soon the world
1: goes out that everyone goes, oh yeah, there's a lot of people that do good wigs <laughs> forget about Morten. Um, What do I want to say? Hi. Well, things that stand out to me. Well, first of all, I just want to say that, you know, making movies for a long time mm-hmm. when we were going away on location, always so immersive. And in that you really got to know the crew because you weren't using your phone all the time. We weren't on the phone all the time. ADs yeah. didn't ADs didn't ask you questions via text. And mm-hmm. um, you weren't expected to answer the text, answer the emails, run the department, do sync on set, submit to some, <laughs> you know, uh, studios, um, continuity system, or, mm-hmm. you know, and make sure everybody gets their turnaround and doesn't get meal penalties and has NDBs. And I mean, it's just like the list goes on
0: and on and on. And So you used to be able to do here, like just doing here and... <laughs>
1: Yeah. And you'd have a full, you know, you'd have more people in the department, I felt, designated to mm-hmm. different Areas, you know, it's important to have someone that runs the background room. It's important to have your key that helps you run things, and then your third who helps with the continuity, and also then that relationship with your fourth or the person that's running the background room. Kind of it's like a basic <laughs> structure, but more. But what I was getting to is, it was so great to be on set and get to know everyone. You got to know the grips really well, the camera department really well, like the every single part. So there was really a lot of great relationships. That's one thing that I kind of miss, which makes me sound really old but that is the one part of the camaraderie of it all that is um that becomes more constrained now you know because we have so much separation and so much constraint on getting so many things done in one day on a tighter schedule but the things that are the highlights to me for sure gangs of new york for sure Mm -hmm. the opportunity to you know uh, have the experience of, I'll tell you what, Cameron and I flew to New York, met with Marty at his offices in New York, Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. We got on a Concorde. Cameron says, why don't we fly to the wig maker together, you know, and we'll go together. And that's what we did. We got on a Concorde. And we flew <laughs> to England and we had a driver waiting who drove us over to Bristol and we saw Peter. And then, you know, we just had this great journey. And from the beginning, um, you know, the, the things that, that, Um, Noriko shared with me on that job and shooting at the stages that in Rome, you know, Cina Cita just was Fellini's stages with Marty Scorsese with some of the most incredible sets I I think I've ever been on. Wow. That's cool. Just uh, incredible. That is a real high point for me. Walk the Line is probably another high point for me because the music and the performances and the designs that for I did someone. with, um, for Reese's character, June Carter, it was yeah. really something special. And James Mangold was just, it was great. It was just great. Going to set every day with that music was just a phenomenal experience. Those are two things that like stand out in my mind. And then, um, you know, recently I did Mrs. America, which is running on FX for Hulu right now, as we have so many different formats. And the creativity level of that, of all these characters in wigs and mm. their their um, arc and working with Rick Finn later, who is just such an incredible hairdresser in his own right and department head and that's never the experience unless you're a personal getting to work with somebody who's running a show and someone certainly as phenomenal as Rick and then of course Carrie Warren being there like it was just a great honor and really creative so that's true yeah Yeah. as far as as far as actual projects and well, God, wouldn't I be remiss if I didn't say anything about Bombshell? I mean, look at that. that that That's sort of that
0: pretty good. That found out pretty good. Well, maybe we should, we should touch on last award season because um you you guys cleaned up. That was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing to watch. Oh, you were there. You were there, JL. Oh, yeah. No, but just. <laughs> Come on. You're part of the reason. I mean,
1: we cleaned up. I might have got to hold we're down, you know, <laughs> I might have got to hold the statue, but woman,
0: without you, like it wouldn't have happened. And you know, it was a very difficult job. But also I think there's so many people who are kind of curious about how award season works. Like not not everyone kind of gets into that realm of just this whirlwind that you seem to go through at that time of year. And especially being nominated for so many different awards for the same film and just what that entails. And luckily it seems, I could be wrong, but you seem to be available to actually participate in that whirlwind. I feel like if someone's working full-time, that may be very difficult to actually really soak it up and enjoy it. Yeah, it was... (laughs) It's funny it because... Like a full-time job for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I
1: kind of treated it that way. I'll tell you is that I had been lucky enough to have the experience of going through Emmy award season. I didn't get an Emmy, but mm-hmm. was that for... I think it was for... This is so stupid. I think it's all the way. I don't think we got nominated for True Detective, but I think it was all the way. In fact, I know it was. Yeah. It was all the way. Okay. Um, yeah. And... So I kind of knew what that was and HBO was very, you know, supportive on that and whatever. And so that was good. But um, I, I hadn't done a lot of television and so I felt a little bit like a fish out of water on that. I wasn't quite sure where I fell and even though, you know, blah, 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 but it was a great, mm-hmm. you know, experience and, you know, all that kind of thing. But this time this time, first of all, to be in mm-hmm. the company with Kazu, who is a veteran of this, and certainly, yeah. you know, last favorite. And um and right and rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. And, then, um, and to be there with Vivian, who I have a long standing relationship with, and I've known her a very long time. We met like way back on Sweet Home Alabama and then later worked on Lemony mm-hmm. Snicket. She was actually um, assisting Bill on that. And then um, I introduced her to Hillary for Amelia. And so we've had a long history. Um,
0: oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, but.
1: Kazu was very busy, and um, Vivian was busy on a film that was starting up, and so they were intermittently available. And so there were times when I was doing things on my own. And then a lot of times we were clearly trying to do things all together. But I had mm-hmm. just come off of Mrs. America and doing some reshoots for Top Gun, um, where I was doing Jennifer Connolly, just Jen. Oh, nice. And yeah. um, so I was feeling like super, super tired from five months in Toronto and a two year stretch with no break. And I thought, this is the perfect timing. It's Christmas. and I'll take a little time off not imagining what I was signing up for. I really <laughs> was about did to it. Happen? Yeah. And, you know, it was amazing. It was a whirlwind. It was a learning experience. It was never less than overwhelming and at any mm-hmm. given moment. And yeah. I am so, you know, humbled, seriously, and so grateful for the experience and it was and it was like every, the company that we were in, you know, I mean everything but it was um, it wasn't what I necessarily expected and I'm not sure what I expected because I never really, really had a head game on for like I want to get an Oscar here, you know um, you know,
0: you just yeah. do the best
1: you can on any job, right? I mean I don't think we were talking about that on the show, JL
0: Mm-mm. no, nope. we're just we're trying to
1: do the best job
0: we're too busy <laughs>
1: busy. Oh my God.
0: Too, too busy.
1: Yeah. But it was a whole thing. You do have to like rally up and be prepared and be rested and be thoughtful. And, you know, sometimes you make missteps, you know, there are moments where I was like, God, I meant to say this and I wanted to thank that person or, you know, and, and it's all happening so fast, you know,
0: and there's a lot of different things Yeah. Demands. I was going to say it's, it's so much in such a little amount of time. Yes. Yes. And so. everyone wants a piece of you, I'm sure. They want to know yeah. everything and have a chat to you and Yeah. Yeah, it must be absolutely exhausting. <laughs> it
1: is. And, and and have your bank you have your bank account padded. Because no matter how many lovely gifts you get, it's yeah. never, you know, it's never enough. You're still going to need more mm-hmm. shoes. You're still going to need another dress, another outfit. You're going to need, like, I mean, it just oh never God. ends. It's like, it's like the black hole of, you're like, I, I, I really, really want that new Celine bag. I didn't know that I was going to have to
0: buy a gown. <laughs> Lady, you, you represented beautifully. You looked fantastic for for all of it. Thank I would you. be like, oh, what sweatpants am I going to wear to this one? No. <laughs> Maybe not that bad, but R&D. what sneakers? No. <laughs> no, you looked amazing. Um, I also wanted to touch on, as a designer and head of department, what, what are you looking for when you're putting a team together of hairstylists? What's important um, for you?
1: The first thing I look for is people that do things differently than I do. Um, Mm -hmm. In what I want to say is that each person brings something to the table that is maybe my weaker links. So, like, weaker, like my my own weaknesses. I like the department to be filled with people that have diversity in the talents that they bring to the table. I also look for people that are respectful of the way that I want to do how I want to run the show or how I want to do things and respectful of that process because you know I'm very like handsy you know and I'm not
0: trying to get you laughing at me <laughs> did you laugh that's just the word handsy um well yeah you <laughs> be taken the wrong way it's lady really it just very, made me giggle oh, yeah. um yeah <laughs> <laughs> get brought up on some charges
1: um no I I mean that like I believe it's a collaborative process and there are certain yeah. makeup artists that I work with that are like there is no threat to me saying something about makeup just as there is none that I feel if they say something to me In the sense of relativity. I'm not talking about somebody who's coming to try and tell you what to do. I'm talking about it being a collaborative process. So in, in my own department, I like, if I say, oh, go make that person look like they just, uh, they did their hair yesterday. They went to work, they went out, they got drunk, they woke up in the morning at somebody else's house. Mm -hmm. They threw their clothes on, they're at work. And now they're in the bathroom trying to fix themselves up. Okay. So. Then I look at it and I say, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. But I do think, and I will, you know, I will touch a hairdo. You know, I'll be like, ah, let's move that just a little bit more like this or that. Or I might just say, hey, can you just add some more, you know, they fell in the puddle of dirt last night. Like, can you add some more dirt or something? I may say something, but I like people to just feel as though it's a collaborative process with me because ultimately, if you're the department head, it's your overall schematic that you're trying to you know, uh, have represented on the screen. And that's where it needs to be cohesive. It's not because somebody can't do a roller set that looks great. It's just, maybe Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be bigger or maybe I needed,
0: maybe I didn't articulate
1: it well enough. You know, I try.
0: Yeah. And it's just, I think as that team member, it's just, yeah. Remembering that, It's the designer's vision. You're trying to help that along the way and to not take it personally, I think.
1: Yeah. And it's, and it may not be because you didn't do it right. It may have nothing to do with that. Maybe I've changed my mind or maybe some other information came our way, or maybe it's not turning out in the way that I was like, Oh yeah, maybe not such a good idea, huh? Like there is that I can be totally wrong. Um, and you know, it's not to say somebody else can't do hair better than me, because maybe you do the wigs better than I do, or maybe you do a haircut better than I do, or maybe you can add wefts in better than I do. I don't know, you know, any given number of things. Certainly anybody can be faster than me.
0: <laughs> but, but there is nothing worse than if you're trying to explain, oh, could we just adjust this a little bit and somebody, you know, get their back up and, Storm off in a half It's just like Whoa What just ha- What just happened yeah. Like This is a team effort Like we're doing this together Don't <laughs> yeah. And you just hope Yeah And you just hope That you know, you try and,
1: I mean, and, you know, given no sleep or long hours or mm-hmm. just whatever is happening in life or relationships with ADs or production or actors, like any number of things can affect so many things. And we're in this like, you know, five by 20 foot trailer jammed in there day in, day out on 16, 17 hour workdays, very often, you know, yeah. and I think that you just hope that everybody communicates and like if someone's feeling less than or feeling like they're treated less than you want someone to be able to come to you and speak to you but I do expect somebody to show up and I do and I mean show up by like do the job be Mm -hmm. communicative and you know you know just be a team player like that's
0: really yeah be able to go with the flow of (laughs) Yeah, how it all goes. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think you that. learn pretty quickly in the industry that it is a team a team effort and you've got to work well with others or otherwise you're just in the wrong line of work. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and by the way, what's my show this week? You know, you could have another show in another three months and it's your show, not my show. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. when someone's hired as a department head, you have to respect the fact that they've been hired as the department head because of what they had to say about the schematic of the look of Mm. the film when they met with the director and or the producer
0: or, you know, uh, all the powers that be. So that's a good thing to remember. Mm. Um, Throughout your career, do you remember one piece of advice that really stuck with you? Um, The first thing that comes to
1: mind is to never run. Now, I know that sounds like Mm -hmm. a funny thing, but an old makeup man told me, He said to me, You mean physically? Physically. He said, (laughs) Do not run because if they see you run once, they will always Mm -hmm. have you run. And what that parlays into is not just don't run, but like Mm -hmm. if you say that you need five days to get a wig ready, and I think you Mm -hmm. and I may have certainly spoken about this before, but if you need five days to get a wig ready, which to me is the bottom line. I don't see how you make something move and work well in less than five days. You can, but if you say that that's what you need, you say that to the wig maker, you say that to production, the actors know they have to come in for a fit, a follow fit, maybe another fit after that, like, you know, just to get it right so that no one waits on the day because you've worked out the details, but the second production doesn't understand that that that's what you need. And I say five days, you know, you might say you need three weeks, or you might say you just need 24 hours. But when you cut yourself short, which is just like running, when you cut yourself short, they will see that you then ran and got back there in two minutes versus the 10 minutes it was going to take for you to get in a van and have somebody drive you and get out and get that and get Mm -hmm. back in the van and drive right back. You know, they will always ask you to do that. And that just exacerbates already a heightened sense of like how you get the job done well professionally and in a way that you survived at the end of the show and you haven't killed yourself. Yeah. Like by way of, you know, you're so beaten (laughs) up. So I just think that it's important to like state what you need and to, it's not to say to not help production. That's not my point on that. The point was to ask for what you need and to not, you know, kill yourself trying to do it instead just dedicate yourself to making sure it's done yeah. well Was well,
0: helping you help them really right. isn't it i mean That's right. and problem solving you know yeah. yeah so that piece of advice that you were given is that what in turn you would tell somebody else that would be your advice to someone coming into the industry i, I would say to
1: well i would say to research. Yeah. I think what Carrie said is a really, really good point. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say just to have the voracious appetite for learning to understand that each film you're learning something and each project you do that you're never knowing everything. And it's good to have, it's good to have, um, goals. It's good to be like, I want to run a department, but it's also Mm -hmm. important to understand that it's a constant learning process and to always be eager to learn and to try somebody else's way. And, you know, yeah, I think that's absolutely It ties into his research, you know, it's just all learning, learning, voracious appetite for learning and keeping your bar high, you know, convince yourself that it's as good as it is. Like, yeah, if it doesn't look good to you, you know, that it doesn't look good to other people.
0: (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yes. Uh. I like to think like that anyway. Although there's times where you're, I, I, I imagine you were probably told this as well, that that you see things on a higher level <laughs> than most <Right>. everyone else, <laughs> and it's like that's not a bad thing. <laughs> at no, all. it's not. It's not a bad As thing you say. It's keeping your bar high. Yeah. So all of those other people do think it looks right. You know, I mean, and you don't want
1: to, and you don't want to overly futz. That's the other thing. You know, sometimes somebody sits down in your chair, and what's the, the thing is like the hardest, the hardest haircut is a blunt bob. Why? Because mm-hmm. you don't understand if you can't draw a straight line, you can't do a, you know, a painting. If you can't cut a straight yeah. line, and I don't mean that in the most elementary way. I mean, it, it is the hardest haircut is to make a bob swing and fall and look beautiful in all of its movement. So mm-hmm. it's like the baseline is the most important line. And if you, you, pull yourself back and you don't overly, like you can futz with things, but you got to, you got to know when you got to stop. Sometimes it takes somebody else saying, okay, you got, you got to stop.
0: Lady, that's, that's what used to happen to me. I used to go to hairdressing competitions and my boss would stand behind me in the mirror for the first couple of competitions I went into and she would do that signal, uh, you know, hand across the throat, like that's it. Stop like walk away because she knew that my, where I Uh was lacking was that I kept, just kept fussing. Cause I was like, Oh, I've still got time. I'm just going to keep facking with it. Uh -uh. And she's like, no, you'll just, you'll go too far. That's right. And she would stand behind me. And that would, it taught me so much of just like, no, walk away. It's done. It's good. Step away from it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is good. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, I will constantly like, I, I get to sit and I'll be like, JL, can you look at that? Does that look okay? Does that look weird? You know, is that, is that working? And you might be like, yeah, it looks pretty good, but the nape looks a little funny. Yeah. See, I knew the nape was funny. Let me go in there. You know, like sometimes you just need it. And sometimes they just got to get on, get them out of the trailer and you can let the wig or the hairdo fall into
0: place better, you know, and look more real and it's just stepping a, away from it. Yeah. Cause you can be so in right up in its face and then, and you're just say, like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, step away from it for five minutes and look at it again. And you're like, Oh, that's right. No, we're good. Or yeah. Just as you were saying, Oh no, I can see what it is now. I can see the problem. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to step back. Yeah. And I think sometimes you don't, you're not thinking that while you're in it and it's just a good thing to remember. Yeah. Hard to do, but definitely, um, definitely a good, a, a good, uh, it's good advice. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, who would you like to hear interviewed on the podcast? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, we know that you, <laughs> we know that you told me you were going to ask me this question, but I did, there are, uh, these are, these are the people that come to mind, you know, mm-hmm. um, one, I think, you know, we, we talk about, um, well, first of all, I think, uh, K. Giorgio is like such a phenomenal hairdresser. Yeah. Incredible. I would love to hear from Kay Giorgio. She
0: just do, um, uh, where's her story? Yes, she did. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe when that comes out, we could have a, lengthy chat about that situation
1: yeah they, they released some press photos I, I had seen but uh yeah jk is just incredible um a fellow nominee this this year during the season because she did the joker mm-hmm. joker yeah, uh, you know she's just amazing um but uh the uh, kathy Blondell. I mean, it's all about Kathy Blondell for me. Like, I just think she's one of the most phenomenal hairdressers and has contributed so greatly to my personal like influences when I look at films that um, and, you know, when you talk about everything from Private Benjamin to The Revenant with Leonardo, Private Benjamin as Goldie Hawn's hairdresser and The Revenant as Leonardo and the gamut. And everything she's done in between, it's just mind blowing. And she is an incredible person, the most humble and so lovely, has so much to teach. And um, she's amazing. So those are my two like hairdressers out of the gate that I just think are amazing. Amazing. God, what about Peter Owen as a wig maker? I mean, look, my list could go on and on, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) those are the people that come to mind. But yeah, I think we need to speak to some wig makers. I think that would be amazing. Peter Owen, pure, pure, pure entertainment. Get Peter Owen on there. (laughs) He's amazing. It's awesome. Morgan, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been so awesome (laughs) chatting with you. Thank you, Jamie. It's really sweet. It's nice of you to ask me. I think it's
1: really cool that you're doing that because I think that, uh, There's a lot out there about makeup. And so I hope that there's some interesting bits of information that maybe somebody will find some little nugget in there. And and thank you so much for asking me. You're welcome.
0: Okay, Last Looks crew, thanks for listening. And remember, if you love it, share it. A quick scroll down and you'll find our show notes. Or maybe you'd like to give your support and leave a five-star review. Go on. Search The Last Looks Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, whichever one tickles your fancy. And a massive shout-out to the husband, Brett Stanley. Without his patience and tech support, this whole podcast situation simply does not happen. And cheers to Liliana Rose for her fabulous voice acting talents. Okay, Last Looks crew, that's a wrap for me. I don't need to be told twice to get out of here. So bye. I'll catch you on the flip side.
1: That's a wrap, people.